Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Um, this morning's a little different. We're taking a break from Ephesians today. And so if you came thinking we'd be studying the book of Ephesians, well, come back next week. Okay? We'll be in Ephesians chapter 5 next week. We've been studying through that this summer. But to add the opportunity, uh, this year we're in a process called uh, Invest 2014, uh, talking about how we can uh, invest in our future as a church, uh, in our purpose, our mi- the mission that God has given to us, which is to love people and to, and to love God, but also to help people take their next step. And also, the Bible tells us very clearly that uh, our purpose as a church, in a real sense, is he gives us a mission in Acts 1.8, which says this, he says, um, He says that he will give us power through the Holy Spirit, and the power does not come just so we can kind of like, you know, have supernatural things go on, but he says it gives us power so that we can be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so in doing that, uh, we understand that our mission as a church is not just here in Germantown Hills, but it's also uh, throughout our region and across the world. And so uh, one of the things we want to and, uh, and share with you today is kind of how we're doing that. Uh, we've been invested in a couple of international uh, focuses over the last few years. Uh, we just had some students from the Basque country of Spain. Uh, most of them, I think there's still one in this region, but there's, most of them have left and gone back there, and we've been invested in that uh, for the last few years of, about helping uh, get building relationships with them so that we can not only have the relationships with them, but also can uh, plant churches among those people as well. But then the other group that we've been invested in over the last several years, more financially than anything else, has been a a group in West Africa. And uh, and in West Africa, uh, the group called the Yolanka uh, is a group that uh, I had a chance about, now it's two and a half years ago, okay, two and a half years ago, I went over to to Mali and was able to go with uh, uh, Steve Nelson and and another uh, young man from Pine Hills Church in in Fort Wayne, and then also one of our team was a guy from a country that's right next to Mali, his a country called Burkina Faso. I didn't even know existed until I went there, and a guy named Bala Saribe, and he, Bala went with us as well, and so uh, we got to visit there. And that two and a half years ago when I went, this was all part of the exploratory process of discovering uh, what we could do over there, how we could do things. And at that point, no one from our denomination, no one from our group was even on the field. Uh, things have changed. Things have changed drastically in that two and a half year period. Right after that, we had a couple, one of the couples that's on the field now, Troy and Jerry Masters, come and share with us. At that point, they had not even been to Mali, and they were going as missionaries to Mali, which is pretty much of a huge commitment to not even go to a place and been, haven't been in a place and still go there anyway. So this morning, what I've done is I've invited uh, Steve and Pat Nelson to come. Steve's going to come and talk. Pat's going to come over and look nice, and we'll pray, pray later. Steve and, Pat, stand up right now, and let me introduce you. Steve and Pat Nelson. Steve is the coordinator of uh, West Africa Missions for our denomination. And so you can give him a round of applause, okay, to get, welcome him here, you know. Steve, come on up. Steve, come on up, okay. And uh, we're going to talk about, about what's going on over in that part of the world, and Steve's going to share some stories. Last, last service, I just kind of asked some questions Steve shared. I'm going to ask the same questions, and we don't know if we're going to have the same thing, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll still talk about it. There's lots of stories that we can share. Uh, Steve, first of all, share a little bit about you, you and Pat's uh, kind of background of getting involved in missions a little bit. Okay. Uh, the Lord opened the door for us and called us back in 1983, and we first went over to uh, the Congo and got to be a part of the work there. We lived there for 10 years. When our kids, we first went over, our kids were just real little. And uh, spent 10 years working in the Congo among, in a work 
that FEC had been involved in since 1912 had started there. Now let me stop you there yes. for a minute. A bunch of people when you say FEC okay. probably don't even know what's, what that means. <laughs> you know, a lot of people show up at Great Oaks they're thinking we're like an independent church. And so we actually belong to a small denomination in the Midwest called the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches. And so that's about, I don't know how many churches it is now, maybe 50 now, since we grew a bunch this week. Uh, about 50 churches spread out all over the Midwest. So we are a part of the denomination. That's what the FEC is. So go on. Okay. Yeah. And so we got to be a part of the, of the work there that God had allowed us to, to participate in. And that was sharing work with unreached people groups. Actually, there are over now established over 900 churches among 11 different language groups in the Congo that we got to participate and be a part of. During the 80s, late 80s, we started working in another area of Africa called Burkina Faso that Bill was just uh, referring to. And uh, that work too has been all turned over to the national, to national leadership. It's going well on its own. The church is established among five different language groups in Burkina Faso. Over the years, over those same years, God also opened the doors for us to go to the Dominican Republic. We've done work there and Venezuela, and those, uh, those works also have all been turned over to national leadership, which is the goal when you, when you go to an unreached people group. And that's our goal, as God has now opened the doors for us. In just in, since 2006, we began doing some exploratory trips into West Africa, into, the, into the, an area of Mali, and to, because of the, an unreached people group there, a people group that we found out no other mission group had targeted the Yalunka people of Mali, and so we made these exploratory trips in. And as we made trips in, we talked to the, we would ask to, we'd find a Yalunka village and we would ask to speak to the chief and the elders, and we would share with them that we were coming, that we had the, uh, that we had this word from the big creator, and that we were looking for Yalunka villages that would invite us to come and teach them this word from the big creator. And, uh, and we've been invited. The, the door was wide open. We'll talk a little more about that. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things you saw in the little video coming in was some guys sitting around oh, uh, looking yeah. at it. It looked like a radio, you know, like from the 70s yes. or something, you know. It's called a proclaimer. And actually, uh, share about why that's important over there, why it's different than yeah. just taking Bibles to them, why that doesn't work. There's a mission organ. You know, there are so many different kinds of people are called to different kinds of, of missions. There's a mission organization called Faith Comes by Hearing. And they are committed to trying to get God's word translated orally and recorded in every language eventually. And so they have, they have recorded the whole New Testament on these proclaimers. They're MP3 players with great dynamic uh, sound system on them. And the back flips up and it's a solar panel so it can recharge the batteries. And that's and important over there, right? Very important. They don't have electricity most yes, places, so, you know. Right. I found that out. Very important. <laughs> and so the whole, they have it now. That's in a trade language. Those proclaimers and the language that you were hearing on that little excerpt there uh, was the gospel, but it was in Bambara. Bambara is a, a major trade language through that area, so it's not actually in Yalunka yet in their dialect, but it, they do, and they're listening to it because. Mm, Roughly 80% or so of in, in any village, 80% of the people will speak a fair bit of, of Bambara. And so because they have to do that, because there are so many different nations, biblical nations uh, in Africa, within the political boundaries, there are many other language groups. And so in order for them to connect in, with other language groups, they have to have a trade language. And so at this point, 
Someday we hope that that will be recorded in their own dialect so they can hear it in their own language. Okay. Okay. Now, you shared a little bit about us getting involved and looking, you know, going over there. Um, and you guys doing some exploratory. That was part of what I did two and a half years ago when we went in. Uh, myself, you know, and, and, and three of us went over there. If you ever want to go to Africa, take Steve with you. He knows what he's doing. Uh, uh, in the major city of Bamar, uh, Bamako, get my mind to work here, Bamako, I've learned a lot about geography over there. Uh, when we flew in, there's like two million people there. It's chaotic. It's crazy. Uh, that's the only place that I felt really ill at ease. Uh, it's when we got out in the bush, out uh, you know, uh, several hundred miles away. I don't know how far it was, a long way away, out in the bush in the middle of some of the villages you saw, saw there with mud huts. I felt totally, you know, fine. It was not a big, big deal. Now, we didn't have any electricity. We didn't have any cell phone service. We didn't have any running water. Uh, so how do you live? Well, they live, live fine out there. Uh, they've learned to do that. But when we went there, that, at that time, it was just the, the idea of us taking missionaries there. Now, what's happened since then to help us to get uh, where we are now um, okay, in that uh, process? Good question, yeah. So as we have explored and as villages, and by the way, we've been to, we have sat with and been invited by about 15 villages now where they have said, you have word from the big creator. We want to hear this. We're sitting here waiting. Come and teach us this word from the big creator. And so, and it makes sense to them. We've never had to, we've never once, think about this. We've, we're going into villages where they've never heard the gospel before. And no one has ever asked us if there is a big creator. We never have to convince them that there's a big creator. We never ever have to convince them. They already know that they're separated from the big creator. What? they say by our bad <laughs> they know it's their bad that has separated them from the big creator the thing they don't know is that god has provided a way for reconciliation that he wants to have a relationship with them and that's what we're telling them and they're saying they just sit in every village they just are you kidding me you're gonna you have word from the big creator he wants to have a relationship with us come and teach us and in fact, of the matter, the reason, the reason we've gone to, to already to 15 villages is because several villages, when we tell them these kinds of things and sit with them for a while, they say, oh, would you need to go to such and such a village and tell them the same thing? They need to hear this message too. And the reason is because probably whoever's telling us that has a relative who lives over there or their wife comes from that village or, or you know, they come from that village and they're living here now or whatever. And so that creates this open door and then we can go to that village and say so and so from this village sent us over here you know because they know the chief's name and they'll tell you and they'll say you need to go and see so and so and tell them so it's just it's spreading like that what an invitation yeah. and these are big villages too sometimes i yeah. used to think of an african village as just a few huts but i know when we went to era medina down mm -hmm. which was like in the middle of I guess it took us forever to get there, and I'm going like, and we, no one had ever been there, and we go in in the middle of the day, and they invite us in to sit us down, and then our interpreter starts uh, uh, talking to them, and, and they welcome us, and, and the chief invites us into his hut. They were getting ready. Now, in that culture, that's, that's another barrier we have there. Uh, they're very open to the gospel, but they're also uh, but they're open to other things as well. They've been open to, to, to Islam. Uh, that's been taught there as well. They have animistic religions and other things as well. But they're huge villages because Aaron Medina, I remember the, the, the chief there told us that there was like several hundred children that lived in that village mm -hmm. that had no education system whatsoever. No and they were talking about no school whatsoever because they were far, so far removed from the central 
place where people could even go. And so there's all those things going on. And so they were excited about anybody coming and teaching, teaching us at, at all, but especially about the big creator. So these are huge villages that have, have people that they walk hours and hours to go between. Uh, that's kind of how they do it. Some of them ride bikes. Five years. They said it had been five years since a vehicle had arrived in the Yeah. Village. Can you imagine? Yeah, we showed up in a vehicle five years since anybody had been there in a vehicle. That's, that shows how far removed it is from everything else. So it's pretty amazing. But uh, so there's, there's, there's thousands of people in these villages that don't need Jesus Christ. And that's just a small portion of the villages so far, 15, very open. Now, um, since then as well, uh, God's building a team of people to go over there. Tell us what's going on there. Well, as we came back sharing these stories, and I've been here sharing with you before, as you know, and, and uh, different ones have, God has raised up people just like he said he would. And we promised them we will find people who will come back and learn your language and teach you this word. And God has raised up people uh, from unexpected places at times, you know, and, and these are gifted people, but we still have to all learn the language and, and so that we can speak with them. But we now have a family, uh, Troy and Jerry Masters, uh, who are there with their two youngest daughters. They're learning language. They've been through the French study, and now they're, they've been working now for several months on Yolanka language itself. And uh, we have Ashley Freitag, a single lady, young lady who's, who had studied French in school uh, for the purpose, without even knowing how it was going to happen, she knew God wanted her to go to Africa to share about Jesus, and she took a double degree program through college. She studied international studies, and she studied French. She got degrees in both of those. Before we even met, she was working towards that and just about to graduate. God was preparing her, and she didn't even know how it was going to happen. She just knew it had to happen. And uh, so they've been working on this. They're working in, on, you know, on the Yolanka language now. And uh, then we also have another young family, uh, uh, Michael and Jen Sprunger, who are, Michael was the youth pastor at the, our uh, church in Bern, Indiana. And his grandfather had been a missionary, even among the Yolanka people years ago, but clear down in Sierra Leone, uh, where they had been working with another mission group, had been working with the Yolanka down there. And they're the ones who invited us and said, they're, this Yolanka people spread over four different countries. We need help if we're going to reach the Yolanka. And that's how we first even went there to, to explore that. But God has raised up this small team. And we're planning to use the, the simply the story method, sharing the stories of God's word, a synopsis of the gospel in the beginning from creation all the way to Christ and the Holy Spirit, so that they can understand, so that we can establish reproducing communities of Christ followers from the very beginning. And, and then we will go back and we will begin teaching, systematically teaching the Bible story by story by story. Totally non-literate, primary learners, uh, oral learners. And we will use their own culture, cultural way, to teach them God's word. The same way they did in the book of Acts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's not only the barrier of, of language, which the French there is because the French came and colonized West Africa. A lot of the countries in that region all speak French because of the French came in and colonized them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, then they have all these tribal languages, even within the same country. Mali has, I don't know how many languages, but bunches know. of languages. <laughs> it's like going to the Chicago airport. You know, and uh, nobody speaks English. Everybody speaks like 47 languages last time I was there. And, uh, but that's like in a country there, so it's languages everywhere. And so each region, each people group speaks in a different language as well. They do have some common languages, the Babara uh, language you were talking about, uh, that luckily, when I went, 
uh, our, our, it was a translator you've used many times. Tell us a little bit about Samba, the guy you've used there, how God has used him as well. Oh, my goodness. That, and that's, that's, a, that's a great story. Samba's testimony. So we, we need to go there, and we need to reach them. And we have no translator, and so we're looking and contacting other mission agencies in the area. And Avant Ministries invited us. They said, if you, we know where the Yelanka are. They're, we've not targeted them. No other mission has. But we know where they are, where they're located geographically. If you want to reach the Yelanka, come to Bamako. We will get, you know, stay with us in our guest house. We'll help you with a vehicle. We'll find you a translator. We'll help you get there to find the Yelanka. That was our invitation when they found out someone was interested in the Yelanka of Mali. And so we did that. Well, right before we left, uh, the, the field director for Avant Ministries, another mission organization, it's an old mission organization, it used to be called uh, GMU, or Gospel Missionary Union, changed their name about 10 years ago to Avant. And um, so they, the field director there, had lo he knew of a professor at the local university, a, a national, but who spoke the language, the Yalaka language. And he had contacted him, and he agreed to go with us to be our translator. And just a few days before we left, we had our shots, we had our visas, we had everything ready, had our tickets bought. And just a few days before we left Fort Wayne to go there for the very first trip, he sent me an email. I remember opening it up in my office, and it said, Steve, this guy had family issues. He, he had to leave to go back to his home village, and he's not available. He's not going to be able to go with you. And I'm just stunned, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> now what do we do? What do we do? And there's only one thing to do in a situation like that. And I got out of my chair, and I got down on my knees, and I began to pray, God, what, you know, how is this? How, how is this going to work? We're headed there. What are we going to do? Do we call off the trip or what? And as I began to pray, I just felt God sharing with me to, to contact another mission agency that we knew who, that we knew were working among the Yalanka people over in Senegal, the New Tribes Mission. And so I sent this friend of mine that works there and that I had met before, and I sent him an email, told him what happened, and I said, is there any chance? Now, we weren't planning to go into Senegal on this trip, but I said, is there any chance that you have someone or would you be able to? And he emailed me back right away. He says, I can't. We're leaving in just a couple of days. We're leaving on a trip ourselves, our family. I won't even be here when you're here. But he says, I'll do what I can. He says, I have no idea. The next day, the next day, he was in the marketplace in the town where we're going to be living. And he was going through the marketplace. And he met this Yalanka man, a man that he knew was a Yalanka, that he recognized him from the Assemblies of God Church, the only evangelical church that's still, mission church, that's still in that particular area working from a, a mission that was started years ago. And so... Uh, Aaron knew that Samba was a believer, or at least went to that church. He didn't know him well. So he just, he talks to him, and he says, Samba, and he tells him what we're about. And he says, do you know anybody? And Samba said, I'll go, I'll go. He said, I'll go with him. So we changed our plan, and from Bamako, we drove across the border, went over to Kadigo, picked up this translator, Samba, that nobody knew or knew anything about. And Samba, we come to find out, he accompanied us on this whole trip, our first exploratory trip. Has, he speaks seven languages. He has a seventh grade education. He can read. He can read a French Bible. It's only, I mean, it's not written in his own language. He is a Yalanka man from Guinea, actually, but he had moved his family up to, to Senegal so that they could go to school because in his village, his family, extended family, had raised money to send him off to school when he was young so he got to have some education. 
and he wanted his kids to have an education. So he moved to Kedigu in a different country up across the border into Senegal. And here he is traveling with us. And as we were traveling together with Samba, one day eventually I got around to asking him, I said, Samba, tell, you know, how did you come to Christ? Because this guy, as we we're out there visiting the village, we realized this guy is on fire for Jesus and loves to share what's happened to him. And, how, and he's, just, he's been a great blessing to us. So he tells us his story, and he says this. He says he has two wives and ten children. And when he got married, his, his first wife couldn't have children. They, had, they tried, they tried, tried, never had children. That's a bad thing in Africa if you don't have children. So his family was putting pressure on him to get rid of his wife, to send her back to her own family because you have to have children to survive. When you're an old person, an old man, if you don't have children, you're not going to survive. Who's going to take care of you? That's just the way it is. That's the way... Their culture works. And there is no social security there. That is your social security. And so they, they pressured him. So he didn't want to, to get rid of her. So he, so he and his wife together chose another wife as a second wife. And so he married her and she got pregnant. When she got pregnant, his first wife got pregnant. They both <laughs> delivered children within a couple of months of each other. They now have ten children, five by each wife. And each time the... One wife gets pregnant, the other one got pregnant. And so he now has two wives and ten children. But anyway, so he decides he wants it before he even had ten. He decided he wanted his children to be able to have an education. So they moved to Katigu where the kids could go to school. And he decided he would find land along the river that he could farm. And that's the way he has supported his family. He farms a, a large area. of, of And that's what, how he supports his family. All ten of his children are in the process of going to school. He has three that have graduated and the fourth soon. But anyway, here's the story. Samba didn't know Christ. So he's living in Kedigu, and Samba gets sick. Now he has to rate, he's, he has to have crops in order to, to survive. And Samba got sick, and he got so sick that he couldn't farm. He couldn't go to his field. He said that for two months, he sat in his hut, Leaning up against the door of his hut, that's all he could do. He said he couldn't, he could barely just go to the bathroom. He said it was, he had so much pain throughout his, his, his like his muscles and, and nerves were all on fire. And he sat there and the pastor from this church would come by, came by different times, a couple different times while during this process and would offer to pray for him. And he would say, fine, you know, pray for me. But he said he didn't have any, he didn't, he just thought it was maybe another good luck charm. So nothing was working. One, one day, his uncle, an older uncle, who had an old pickup truck that he used as a taxi, a bush, what we call a bush taxi, goes from village to village, hauls things for people from, or people from place to place and so forth. He has his, and he had given a missionary a ride one day. And when the missionary got out of his truck, he left his Bible in the truck. This man didn't know what it was. He just thought it was a book. He tried to find the guy to get it back to him. Never could find him. So after he had had it, he came, comes to Samba. When Samba's sick, he said, Samba, you're the only one in our family that can read. He says, this guy, I've tried to find him. I can't find him. You might as well take this book. You can read it. You should have this book. And why don't you read it and see what it's about? And it was the Bible. And Samba started reading that. And he said when he began to read the Bible, he couldn't quit. And he said I, he was in so much pain. He sat leaning against the, the door jam of his hut. Every day, just reading, reading, reading all the time. He said, finally, one day, he was reading in the book of Luke. And he, he said, I just looked up and I said, God, if you are, if this is true, and you're the God that this book says you are, then you can heal me too. 
because he was reading about how Jesus was healing people. And he says, you can heal me too. And that night he had a dream. And in that dream, he heard a voice from heaven. And the voice told him, Samba, if you want to be healed, you have to get rid of your fetishes. And Samba would look at us and he says, and that was a problem. He says, I was a fetisher. He says, everything I could find that was unusual, rocks, sticks, different things. He said, every time I could afford to, I would take my sacrifice to the witch doctor and I'd have, have him ask for this fetish, this item, to be blessed for protection over my family and my fields. And he said, I had fetishes hidden in the fences around my fields. I had fetishes hidden in the thatch of every one of my huts for protection. And he said, not only that, but he said, I used to go and steal my neighbor's fetishes and hide them for more protection. He said, I had fetishes. He said, I knew where every one of them was. And he says, this voice from heaven is telling me I have to get rid of my fetishes. So, and he said, I knew that I wanted this healing. So that night, he, he took a rice sack, an empty rice bag, and he went and he started gathering. And he said the farther he went and the more he gathered his fetishes, the more he got his strength back. And so he went around and he gathered all his fetishes and he took them down to the river. And, there, and this is on the Gamby River. It flows right by his town, the big Gamby River. And he said he knew where there was a tree that had fallen over and went, went stuck way out in the river. And he went out, walked down onto that tree as far as he could and he took that bag and he said God if you want these fetishes I give them to you I don't want them anymore I want to be healed and he threw that bag into the river to never to be seen again and he said as he started walking back to his hut he felt the healing come he just his body just began to heal and the farther he went the, the, he got his strength back he went back he woke up his family told him what was going on what had happened they were all rejoicing. He said, they said that the next morning when they went at daylight, he went to this pastor's house to tell him what had happened, to have him pray with him. And this pastor was able to lead him to Christ and all his family became Christ followers. That's his story. Two wives, 10 children and Samba. Now, so can I tell just a little? Sure. The next part of that sec section is that, you know, so we're skipping way ahead now. I heard that a couple of years ago. For the first time and now in this last trip i'm out there i'm telling samba samba our team is gearing up they're learning language that he, samba's been going with us on these trips and he said and i said samba i said the thing is when this next dry season when we have this team i said we're going to make many trips and it takes him every time we make a trip it's we're gone for like a week at a time and so it takes him away from his fields listen when his crops are growing his corn and peanuts and everything are growing out there he tells me, in fact, sometimes I take a box of shotgun shells in my, he has an old beat-up 12-gauge shotgun that he uses to protect his fields from baboons and parakeets. He said in one, when the, the corn starts to bud out in the ears, he says in one night, the parakeets can completely devastate his whole corn crop. And he said the, the baboons will come and dig up his peanuts and eat all his peanuts. So he's out there when the crops are growing and producing, he lives out there in a little tiny little hut on his fields and he's out there and he'll just go home for a couple of days at a time, a couple times a month during the time until his crop, to protect his crops. But he, and I, so, and I knew that was going to be a problem and so I said, Samba, I said, we are going to need you for these trips to go with us and on the, uh, you know, to help us to translate. I said, what can we do? Is there anything we can do to help you you know, to protect your crops. Can we 
help to hire somebody maybe who could go out there because all his kids are in school and he doesn't want to disrupt their school. And he said, here's what he said. He said, Stevie says, listen, he says, you're a white man and you're from America. And he said, you come out here to Africa because God has called you to come here and to make these trips. And he says, you know very little about Africa. And he's right. And I feel that all the time when I'm out there. And he says, you know very little about Africa. But he says, you know the gospel and you know what God has called you to do. And you need to be here because God has sent you here to do this work. He says, look at me. He says, I'm just a black man. He says, I'm, I'm from here. I'm a Yolanka man. And he says, I know Africa. And he said, years ago, he had heard my story. <laughs> years ago, he says, God prepared you to come to Africa and he says, years ago, God healed me, and I knew that I wanted to give my life to serve him. He says, what do you think are the chances that our lives would cross? You coming from America and me living out here in a village in, in Senegal, that our lives would cross. And that God would allow me to be a translator for you guys to take the message to my people. He says, what do you think are the chances of that happening? He says, I will go with you on every trip that God wants, allows me to take. And he says, God will take care of my crops. <laughs> I haven't heard that story before. I know. <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> it just keeps happening, Bill. I know, I know. It's amazing what God's doing. Um, I'm just amazed by what God's been doing in there. And he's, and he's opening doors. He's opening doors not only with the Yolanka people, but there's other things that we will see that God's been opening with other relationships because the Yolanka is not the only unreached people group in that oh, part, of the, part of the world. And so we need more and more folks to go over there and, and be willing to do what needs to be done. Once again, the purpose is not to go and live your whole life there yeah. because the deal is uh, our hope is sooner rather than later that these people uh, that, that we minister to can go, and if, if I understand correctly, can, we can go, we can train them, they can begin to, to develop. And this won't look like churches in America, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it, we it, it, we it, have a little phrase, Bill, we call it reproducing communities of Christ followers. That's yeah. what we hope to establish yeah. there. And, and my dream for years, since I went to Bible college, I, you know, that was just another thing that God allowed us to do. But even then, I began, when I started studying missiology, I thought someday I would love to see what a truly indigenous church looks like. Right. A church that has grown up and just watch what the Holy Spirit does with his word. And that's our goal. That we're, yeah. going, we're committed to working hard to not take our culture. Right. And to not take American church, but to take this. This is the only thing. You guys, listen. This is a people group that live out there in the mountains. So, so primitive, so far removed from normal for modern society. And that there's only one thing that they need that will change their lives for eternity. And it's this. And, and we get the privilege, the honor, and the fun of watching what happens. This is a powerful story. This is an amazing story of God and his love for his people, for creation. And we get to watch the Holy, get this, watch this book work in their lives. It's amazing. And that's our goal is to take them God's word, our whole... We have to keep the main thing. There's so many other things that we could do, but we have to keep the main thing the main thing. Right, right. And I experienced that firsthand when we went there, even in a small way, because uh, I was unprepared for what I saw. I thought I was, but I wasn't. Uh, 
particularly the, I think the second day, and I'll tell the story and then we'll wrap okay. up here in a minute. Okay. The second day that I was, uh, they were there. Second day we're out in the bush. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we, I never got to meet Samba, by the way. Yeah, okay, Samba that was another there. story. We went out to find Samba. He was supposed to go on our trip. This was we many years hours ago. Hours wandering him. around in a truck trying to find Samba, and he was nowhere to be found. He was out in, this, out in his fields, but we didn't know how to find where they were. And so we, uh, by God's grace, we had this guy, Bala, mm-hmm. from, from Burkina Faso, which was right uh, country right next door, a uh, 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 solid Christian man, a loving guy, and he was going with us just as part of the trip. And he did it at the trade language, though. When we come to find out that that's very similar so he could communicate, so he became our translator on the trip. If not, we wouldn't have had a translator. I mean, Steve knows French, uh, and, and a lot of them speak French, but it was like, can you imagine, you know, you're going through like three or four different languages? I just stood there and smiled a lot and uh, didn't know what was going on. And finally, they would translate. But, on a, but when we were out there, it was like on a Thursday, and we were getting ready to travel to a couple other villages of, of the next two days. And we, we, and, and we were in Falia, which is the main kind of the, the I call it the mothership, yeah. the mother village of a lot of the other villages in that region. It's like the county seat. Does yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, if you understand that. And so it was, we were there and we were going out from there and we would come back there on a, on a Saturday night and after we traveled to these other two villages. And, um, and so Bala, I didn't know he did this, but uh, he told them, told them that, when, and they told him that I was a pastor, and they said, well, can he teach us on Sunday? And can we have us, and, and Bala told him I would, and I didn't know that I was going to. <laughs> he just kind of, Bala just said, well, sure, Pastor Bill can do that. So, uh, so I ended up for the next two days praying a whole lot about how to communicate with a people I knew nothing about their culture and, and, the, and, and how to communicate in a way that I'd never done before through a translator, mm-hmm. which was really difficult as well. But it was the most amazing experience. We spent about two hours on a Sunday morning sitting under about, about a dozen of us sitting under a mango tree. A bunch of guys from the village of every age, the uh, chief's son who was probably in his 20s, all the way up to some elderly guys. I don't know how old they were because they probably lived really tough lives, and so I'm not sure how old. They might have been younger, much, much younger than me, uh, but uh, we went through that whole deal. Sitting there, and all their service consisted of, uh, of Steve sharing some stuff, and then I shared some stuff, and it was translated, and then we went around, and these are people who were trying to, some of them, we're not really sure about their status in regards to Christ, they prayed, and Bala would translate to us what was being prayed. And so it was a two-hour service of us just sitting under a mango tree, sharing together. But it was one of the most meaningful, had no music, by the way, okay? Um, had one of the most meaningful services that I've been, been a part of, worship experiences, just doing it there because they were so sincere, so committed, so open to what God wanted to hear. And that's what we encountered in every village that I went to. And I know every village that you've been to as well. Yeah. Well, Steve, tell us now as we kind of wrap things up here, what are some things that we can be praying about specifically for that region, uh, for you guys? I know Steve, Steve and Pat are going to be moving over there to uh, be on the field. Let me tell you, I'm excited about that because, I mean, Troy and Jerry are great folks. We had them here a couple of years ago. You met them. We interviewed them about them going onto the field. Uh, uh, Troy's an ex-Marine. Uh, tough dude you know he you saw some pictures of them there they they're over there I, I don't know the others that are over there but they're great but they had no experience in the mission field uh here we have experienced missionaries who've lived in africa for uh, many many years and have experience and uh, you're going over there to kind of lead the team over there what are some things that we can do as you guys go and, and as this thing progresses and where do we you know what do we want to be praying about that's going to happen here thank you the the 
the easy, simplest thing to remember is this, health and strength and a, and a clear path. And it's not that it has to be an easy path, because we've, we've found out over the years that every time a roadblocks, and we run into lots of roadblocks, but those are all for God's purpose. He uses those, and sometimes it's amazing things have happened, and we've been delayed sometimes in even going and things like that. One time we were delayed from going on a trip we couldn't go, and uh, when we wanted to go, because other things popped up, and it, was, it seemed so disappointing. In a, and then we got to, when we got to the border to cross from Senegal to Mali, we heard that the day before, there had been a riot. A truck driver who had filled his truck up, left the gas station, driven all the way to the... He was trying to steal the tanks of gas that he had filled his, his truck with. And when he got to the border, they had radioed ahead, and so the, the border patrol knew it, and they closed down the border... And this guy got out and started making a big riot, and they actually had the, the border. It was, there were trucks stacked up on both sides of the border hmm. for hours and fights going on and so forth as this guy was just went nuts, and they finally had to, to get him under control and, and take him in. But, they, but we would have been there right in the middle of that. And so we have found, it's just a little example, we have found that when roadblocks pop up, God uses them some way, and, and they're for a good purpose. So... I'm not saying for an easy way, but for a good, clear path that we can get to where we need to go. The other thing that's really simple to just remember is that keep praying for the hearts of the Yolanka people that they will be open, even in these villages where we've not yet even gone, that God will prepare their hearts and that they will be hungry for the word when we, when we get there. And so that's, that's huge. And then the other thing, of course, is, is just that we can keep this thing funded. We've been home now. We would have moved last January, but it wasn't funded, so we came back. We've been here working these several months on visiting, sharing the vision with different churches all around and so forth. When masters come home next year for their first uh, North American assignment after three years, they will also be needing to update their funding because when they go back the next time, their girls will both be eligible now and ready to go to Dakar Academy, you know, a mission school, in, a boarding school in, in Dakar. And that's, you know, it jumps the whole price, you know, the whole package up uh, about $10,000. So just those kinds of things that together, because listen, you guys, you're a part of this. You've been supporting us already. Just sending him out the very first time, you know, was just a huge asset. We need to do these vision trips and we need to make these trips out into the villages. And now very soon we'll be making trips on a regular basis. Our missionaries will. And so we need to continue making these trips out to all these villages. So we will just, you know, pray that, that God's storehouses, you know, just continue to open, you know, through the, his storehouses are all in our pockets. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, I just want to pray for you guys. I want to challenge us as a church to continue to support this. I think it's what God's doing there is tremendous. I want us to see even raise our level of support to you guys because, um, because uh, it's something I think that God is really working in. I've seen it myself firsthand. And knowing that, that it's really working there. And with you guys going on the field, I feel confident that uh, that will be the one catalyst that we need over there. I'm not putting pressure on you, by the way. But the one catalyst that we need to really make this to go forward. But God's opening doors like crazy. He's opening doors like crazy. And it, this is just the beginning of what we can do uh, together in, in West Africa. Uh, I think, uh, who knows, years from now, that how many people groups that we'll be able to reach over there. And, how, and maybe even some of you. Uh, maybe feel called. Uh, the people that, that are going over there now are not people that three, four years ago would even have thought about going to, to Africa of all places to live. And it's not easy. 
It's very different. God has to tug your heart. You have to tug your heart because it is a, it's a tough place to live. I mean, you've got to get used to some different cultural things, uh, you, know, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff that you're not used to. But, it, but people are doing it, and, uh, and God's working in miraculous ways there as well. So, uh, Pat, come on up here. Let's, I want to pray for these guys before we close our service today. After the service, they'll be out in the lobby, and uh, you can talk to them some further. And, uh, and then uh, I've been praying, praying for you guys as you, as you head out, hopefully really soon here in September, and for your team that's already over there uh, working on stuff as well. Okay? Let me just pray. Uh, let, let me tell you what. All you guys stand together. Okay, come on, let's stand up. You've been sitting for a while. Let's stand together, and uh, let's, let's pray. God, I just pray this morning once again for this couple as, as uh, they're preparing to go over uh, to Senegal right now to live right across the border from Mali. Uh, we pray that the, the political situation in northern Mali would be resolved so that uh, the Mali would be more open. But at the same time, God is not stopping us from, from uh, reaching the Yolanka, which are over in uh, uh, south uh, eastern Mali, or western Mali, excuse me, that they would be a, it would be a place where continue to, the work would continue to go on. I thank you, God, for, for how you have worked in so many miraculous ways uh, through, through, uh, through all these things, through the life of a guy named Samba who lives there, through, through all the things that have gone on, through the people that have committed themselves to going there and to uh, serving you there, God, in that place in the world and seeing things that are, are very uh, uh, simple but also very tough sometimes as well. I thank you for the hearts and pray for the hearts of the Yolanka people. Uh, the ones that I met, God, in the different villages that I went to were, were people that, even through the barriers of, uh, of language, I could experience their, their, their desire and their uh, uh, openness to you, God. I pray that you would continue to keep that open and also open even more villages to you, God. The thousands of people that live in that region that don't know you, God, that need to know the, the story, as we say, the story of the big creator, God, uh, as they, as they ex, ex, uh, express that. Be with uh, all the ones who are learning the way of, of, of uh, telling the stories and uh, being able to tell the Bible in an oral way so that people can understand it. I pray for, uh, that doors would open also to the village storytellers, to the people who will be key, key people there who will teach the stories to so that they can share with the other people in the villages there and even regionally, God. Just continue the process of this uh, working. We see only in the, even in the last two and a half years how much progress has been made. And God, we we're just uh, want to celebrate what you're going to be doing uh, in the next two and a half years uh, during this process as, as the villages are opened up and as people come to know you. And, and we pray that just a few years from now, God, there will be, there will be uh, reproducing uh, communities of Christ followers in every uh, Yolunka village um, throughout all of Mali, into Senegal, Sierra Leone, Guinea, and all the places that they're there. And God, it, and once that happens, that we'll be able to go to new people groups and to reach them as well in that part of the world. Thank you so much, God, for your incredible love for us, that how do you use us as we're open to you. And as Samba did, help us to get rid of our fetishes, all the things that hold us away from serving you, God, the way you would want us to. And uh, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next week.